0: Hello, listeners, Dennis Wisco here. I want to share with you something a little bit different for this particular episode. This is a recording I did with Mr. Paul Comfort. Paul is a longtime veteran of the public transportation game. He's very knowledgeable on both the public sector side as well as the private sector side. We had a very deep and wide conversation, and I only want to play for you certain clips of our recording. And I want to then add a little bit of commentary following listeners, and of course, I have to thank my partners, Comotion Miami and Automotive Mastermind. Thank you both for your support of Wisco Weekly. You can learn more about these two guys at wiscoweeklypod.com slash Comotion Miami and slash Mastermind. Now, who is Paul Comfort? Mr. Comfort is a former CEO of the Maryland transit administration. He has worked the better part of his career in public transit and local government. When it comes to the future of public transportation, you can count on him to give you the hard cold truth.
1: Public transit is not going to go away, right? It's a government service, mostly in cities. I mean, let's just get real. Um, I don't know how political I want to get, but I think you know where I'm going, right? Public transit agencies, are rep- the drivers are represented by unions. Unions are a big force in democratic politics. Democratic politics run almost all the cities in America. So on a political basis, it's not going away. Uh, as a job creator and as a mobility service.
0: I think it is pretty clear to see that democratic politics do run most of the cities in the United States from the mobilizing of people today on public rights-of-way, the importance of that space will be spotlighted, maybe even targeted in the future of public transportation.
1: And I actually am predicting the death of the fare box as a result of this whole event. I, I just wrote an article this week for Metro Magazine that'll be published in their May edition, and that's my first prediction, is that a lot of these systems will follow London who went cash free, you know, 3 or 4 years ago and they just now have validators, they have what's called tap and go cards where you can use your visa or mastercard to tap and go and get on the vehicle or multi-use cards. They even have now Dennis things called wearables which are like necklaces yeah. and bracelets that have value stored on them and you can just tap and go. Pretty cool. And so they're going to be people are going to figure out we don't really need cash. Now in America there's something called Title 6 which means that, you know, lower income folks who maybe are unbanked you know, you need to make sure they still have access to transit. But I believe you can with a multi-use card, right? Because you can go fill that up with value at a ticket vending machine or a TVM, as we call it, or the 7-Eleven store or right. the Wawa store that has a POS device, which is called point of sale, where you can like say, put $2 on this card for me. And so they can still use the service. And a lot of systems like uh, in Kansas City, my buddy Robbie Mackin, a the CEO there, he actually wrote the foreword to my book. Uh, he's been trying to push to go fare free for a while. And Olympia Washington just did it um, in uh, the beginning of the year. And so they've gone fare free. And I doubt they'll go back because the board, his board and the um, the city council and the mayor there were all supportive of actually going fare free.
0: Back about 50 episodes ago, I had on Miss Courtney Ehrlichman. She's the CEO of the Ehrlichman Group, which is a consultancy firm for all things transportation. In that episode, we discussed the concept of universal basic mobility, or UBM. basic concept of UBM, universal basic mobility, is taking the concept of universal basic income and sort of just flipping it on its side. This is, in effect, what Paul is referencing. The idea that all users of the transit system go cash-free or using something other than the physical cash as a way to pay and access public transportation. In the case of UBM, that just means that the users are being subsidized by the taxpayers.
1: My wife was reminding me, you know, after 9-11. Remember everyone was afraid to fly after 9-11? Yeah. uh, But eventually, you know, We got back to normal and i predict a similar thing here uh that you know it'll take a while uh people that um maybe have decided hey i can work from home more often now because i figured out i can be just as productive maybe they won't ride the commuter train or commuter bus as often maybe they'll only go into the office three days a week instead of five and work two days at home those kind of things could be happening but commuter buses and commuter trains Were the were the type of transit that was increasing at the highest rate last year was like five percent increase in commuter trains service. So I don't I don't see this having a death blow so to speak to transit. And to be honest with you, you know, transit is not a business, right? It's not run like a business. Every transit system in America is subsidized. It's a public service, and I think people are realizing now. That public transit is an essential service, just like a school, just like a road. And it's not just to take low-income people to the social services department. It is to take the frontline workers of our economy and to get them to the hospitals, to the pharmacies, to the grocery stores, to all these essential jobs. These jobs that don't maybe pay less than $60,000 a year. A lot of folks can't afford or don't want to have two cars in their family. And, and so they need public transit. It is essential for the wheels of our economy to turn. And so I think that people are coming into a new realization that that's the case. And maybe that's why Washington decided to give us a big bump in funding this year. Uh, it was the, the amount of stimulus funds that came out were $25 billion, which is 280% of the normal annual allocation from the feds to transit agencies. So hopefully that's the new normal. Any country where public transit is valued it requires a uh, a a commitment from the federal government to make these large public works projects work, right? It just doesn't work with just local funding. And so hopefully the federal government will realize that from now on, they need to be a little more involved, not just in capital funding, you know, bricks and mortar and, and buses, uh, which has been their primary involvement lately, and competitive grants and some, some regular uh, formula funds. But those amounts need to be increased in order to make sure that we can meet the base demands of society in order to keep mobility available for all. I'm calling on the politicians because I'm one myself, a recovering politician who have told people stay off public transit, you know, for your for safety and have it only be used for essential services. I'm calling on them that when this is over, they need to be just as loud, telling people to get back on the bus, get back on the train. It is safe. This is past now. And we need to We need to move forward. Um, so I think that um, there are many people who have no other option. They are going to continue to ride public transit. There are some people who are called choice riders. I think that um, they also may choose to come back onto transit because they understand the value of public transit. It's not just mobility. It's cleaning the environment, right? One thing we've noticed is when all these cars are off the road, I'm sure you've seen it, Dennis, there's been pictures of over L.A. You know, for once, we can see the sky in L.A., right? The smog is cleared. And so the value of public transit, and the move to go to electric buses and, and what we call zero emission buses, which are, you know, the three primary fuels are electric, which is the primary one now that's being used, and then secondarily CNG, compressed natural gas, yeah. and then hydrogen. Uh, my good friend in Thousand Oaks, uh, California, uh, Lauren Skyver is CEO there of Sunline Transit. She's built her own. Hydrogen plant and is selling it and uses it for her buses some but these zero emission buses are going to become even More of a thing in the next three to five years and it's in my book the future of public transportation I actually had the CEO of um, one of the big companies called Proterra I write a chapter in the book about that So I think that the value of public transit is not just in the mobility. It's also in helping us clean our environment it also helps us reduce congestion in the cities um, Cities are so congested now in the central business districts. And if we can get 40 people on a bus, that takes 40 cars off the road. And so there's a lot more social redeeming aspects to public transit than just
0: mobility. Paul and I recorded this episode back in April when COVID-19 was a serious issue. You remember those days? Since that time, as Paul mentioned earlier, Congress passed the CARES Act, which awarded $25 billion to infrastructure in the United States. And we patiently await another round of stimulus funds. The latest talk is $500 billion in infrastructure spending. Paul has every idea in the book to improve public transportation, anywhere from the small innovation of going cash-free to much larger spending bill projects, like going fare-free, to specific spending bill projects, like accommodating paratransit services?
1: Things like paratransit, which is, you know, uh, van service for people with disabilities under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Even that's changing, right? So it used to be I used to run the call center for Washington, D.C.'s paratransit system. And uh, so I'd have, you know, 100 reservationists sitting in chairs right next to each other with their headsets on, you know, talking to um, Grandma or, or Bill or Kumar when they call in and make the reservation. They're certified. They have a disability that meets the ADA qualification. Well, we may not want to have 100 people sitting in a room anymore for a while, right? A lot of them are broken up. So what's the next step on that? People can book their own trips. I mean, my company sells software that's been selling it for 10 years or people can just go online and now it's all on your phone. You just mm-hmm. tap on your phone. But a lot of places have been slow to move to that new technology, you know, because they feel like people want to have somebody they can talk to or maybe grandmom's not as familiar with the uh, with the keyboard. Well, that's not really true. Grandmom is used to the keyboard. Grandmom knows how to text her grandchildren on the phone and she can book her trip with simple software that's available on the market. And so, I think people are going to start the technology that's available. This this coronavirus, uh, one of the positives that come out, I always see the glass half full, is going to be a reliance more on new technologies, just like we were talking about. Get rid of the cash. We don't need to be handing dollar bills and coins back and forth anymore. Uh, We can go to credit cards or tap and go. We can go to online booking of trips. There's a lot of new technologies that have been available for years. This is going to help us push us forward.
0: There's a city in Italy called Bologna where they've gamified mobility and by gamifying I mean they've created incentives for its citizens to use a mobile app and for that activity to be tracked on their mobile device so that citizens are traveling via bike, walking or using public transportation and every mode of travel awards them points that they could use for business transactions in the local business community in los angeles there is an organization called the mobility open blockchain initiative that is also creating something similar called sitopia and in sitopia They are looking to use blockchain technology and distributed ledgers as a way to monitor and transact your entire movement.
1: So I would, Dennis, I would encourage people to do just what I've heard several CEOs tell me this week. They're gonna use this money to help kind of um, future-proof their agency. So if another virus comes in, they've already got in place the online booking capability, right? They've already done the training with all their staff, so they've bought the software, they've installed it, they've sent it out to their 3,000 users who use their paratransit service and made them know how to use, you know, just click this button on this app, then go here, push where you wanna go, where, you know, and it's real simple, going fare free going putting in validators, and moving your system to um, to no cash, at least if not fare free, at least cash free, where people can then just use uh, tap and go technology where they don't have to stand there and order a day pass. Like in Baltimore, where I was CEO in Baltimore, we'd let people get on the bus and order a day pass. A day pass is $4.10. So they would go on the bus and give the driver $4.10. Then the driver would have to type in some stuff on the machine, pop out a ticket. I would take 30 seconds. You do that, We calculated 56,000 wasted hours of productivity a year, typing out day passes. Come on, man, that's 1980s stuff. We're in the 21st century now. So this is what I think a lot of CEOs are thinking about is, how can I bring my system up from the 1980s and 90s into the 21st century when it comes to technology?
0: That's Paul Comfort, an encyclopedia of public transportation knowledge. He's genuine, he's passionate, he's a geek about it. He's the author of The Future of Public Transportation and Full Throttle. This upside down world that we live in will see truckloads of money flowing into the public sector. And there will be companies vying for that money, trying to form public-private partnerships. And we're gonna be visiting and exploring these new business models for the mobility of people and goods. Upcoming on the show will be Jonah Bliss, the VP of Marketing and Media of CoMotion Miami. And also, I'm looking forward to finally, finally featuring Daniel kumo He's a Harvard Kennedy grad student and a very big transportation public policy analyst. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wisco Weekly. I'm Dennis Wisco, and as we end every episode... Cheers, Prost, Lchaim, kippis, Nastravi, Salu, Kampai, Mabruk, Tutsins, Gambe, Yamas, Nastarovie, Vo and Salute to the customer experience. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'm your co-host, Kelly Cruz, along with Dennis Wisco. We're so happy to have you with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to follow us. One of the ways you can follow us is through social media. You can do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, not the Twitter, just Twitter. You can also look us up on LinkedIn. So please follow us on those different media channels in order to keep up to date with all that we have going on uh, we're especially grateful for our media partners, Automotive Mastermind and Comotion Miami will be bringing you some great content from uh, the commotion Miami event as well. Thank you for joining us.
1: So I think transit is gonna come roaring back with brand new technology. These CEOs, man, my friends who are CEOs, they are brilliant visionary people who know how to be politicians, but also know how to be general managers. And they have this figured out.